in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Surprisingly, yes it is. <laughs> Episode 266. <clears throat> Surprisingly for more reasons than one, because we're not covering anything Green Lantern related. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> we're back, we're actually... but <laughs> you got to take what you can get, at least for now. <clears throat> we are doing our very first ever non-Green Lantern related commentary track. Uh... I mean, we are. You can tell obviously by the the cover art and the title of the episode. We're talking Marvel's Civil War event. So if you haven't seen it, spoilers. But uh, Mark, why don't you tell people why we're talking Civil War? Because we like it. No. <laughs> well, no. I mean, you, we we've liked all the Marvel movies for the most part so far. Like, I really freaking like Doctor Strange, for example. I do too. I've, but yeah, but why is this the first time you want? I mean, because. Uh, I want to do it, you know. I'm I'm down with the idea, but this is something you want to do. So why do you want to do this movie in particular? I just think, based on, first of all, based on going back to our episode when we actually discussed this when it came out, I think there was a lot of material to mine in this movie, and it probably having it in front of us again while we're talking about it will, you know, obviously we'll pick up on some points naturally. I think that we talked about like six. Like five or six months ago, but there may be, but I think there's going to be other uh, prompts based on what we see and what we know that's coming down the road. I think, I think, I think that's part of it. I think it's a, it's a, it's very enjoyable overall. I think it holds up. I mean, I, I watched it once I got the Blu-ray. Uh, I think I've watched it at least once or twice. So since I've gotten the Blu-ray, uh, so I think that's pretty good. It's it's pretty topical. It would have been funny because we, we kind of joked around how it would have been cool to do this right before Thanksgiving as everybody's getting ready to get together and have their – because no, nothing, nothing says holidays more than like uh, two sides fighting. <laughs> two sides that used to be close fighting. It's like it's like a holiday dinner, <laughs> but uh, which is still applicable because we, we're looking at Christmas. But even – but it's also applicable because at least on uh, – speaking of Christmas, that's when I believe uh, Netflix gets Civil War. So this month uh, – as we're recording this, it's actually December. So later on this month, this movie will be on Netflix. So for people who didn't buy the, who saw it in the theater, or maybe didn't get to see it in the theater, but either way, they didn't buy the Blu-ray. Well, you'll be able to watch it for a while because it'll be coming on. So yeah, and I, <clears throat> I'll be watching this yet again in a couple of weeks, if not sooner, because uh, after seeing Doctor Strange, uh, I took a friend of mine, Tara, who, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you've seen her in a lot of my pictures. So a friend of mine, Tara, to go see Doctor Strange, and she turned to me after the movie and said those fateful words every comic fan wants to hear his non-comic friends say, are the comics anything like this? <laughs> and biting back a scream of joy, <laughs> I calmed down and I said, I mean, I mean, they're pretty trippy. They're pretty psychedelic. And she was like talking about kind of like the spiritual, mystical side of things in that Doctor Strange movie. Uh, and I said, well, I mean, there's elements of it depending on the story you read. And she's like, we should probably go to a comic book store and check it out. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
she had not seen most of the entire Marvel universe, uh, the, the cinematic universe. So I have been <laughs> religiously taking her through movie by movie. Um, she had not seen, uh, basically she'd seen the Iron Man movies and Thor, but she had not seen Cap. So I showed her Cap and then Avengers and then we've gone from there. Uh, so, uh, I'm just, just, uh, but Civil War is the one I'm most excited to show her. So I can't wait to see, like, <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time, like, just rewatching these movies and enjoying them, but also, like, half the time glancing over <laughs> at Tara to see what her reaction is like. <laughs> just, like, like, watch her watching the movie, which is kind of creepy now that I say it out loud. <laughs> uh, but watch her watching the movie and, uh, I'm pretty, pretty pretty sure I'm just going to be watching her the entire time she's watching Civil War. <laughs> now you made a creepy chat. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Uh, I think well, I th- I think the reason wh- part of that, as far as wanting to see her reaction to that and why I think we both want to do this is because even though obviously in the big big picture from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know the two the two Infinity War movies, uh, however they split it and whatever their title that concept that's pretty much gonna that's really gonna be the period at the end of the sentence for everything that's come thus far in Marvel really but up leading to that there's a lot of groundwork that was laid that comes to fruition in this movie that there's a lot of things Mm. really come to relationships and interactions and plot points and just general just general concepts I think that, that that come to uh that come to a head in this, so, and I think they just, it just was a, I think it was handled very well, the way they did it, and I think that kind of makes it, from an interesting point of view, to go back and revisit, and since we never did Doctor Strange, which would have been good if we had been able to do a Doctor Strange episode shortly when it came out, maybe that's something we'll, it doesn't have to be a commentary track, but maybe that's something we should do once it comes out on Blu-ray, be kind of like it'd be, since we it can be a belated Doctor Strange episode since we never did one when it because I also I I I, I really like Doctor Strange. I thought Doctor Strange was really considering how different it was on many levels from so on many of the Marvel movies. I think that was re, that was a really good movie, and I even the, you know the after credit scene you know with the you know, mid credit scene with him and Thor and how it lays the groundwork and how even in Doctor Strange it kind of it kind of tells you that you know that the Doc, Doctor Strange kind of takes place further in the past in the Marvel Universe as far as... It, 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 it spans a lot of time. Yes. This is... It, it spans a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, because uh, it, takes, it takes you back to at least Iron Man 2 because hmm. the... Cause the 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 injury that they're talking about, the the spinal injury to the the Marine or whatever in, in, uh, in experimental armor, that's supposed to be the guy that in the hammer armor from Iron Man 2 that just kind of twisted the guy completely around. That's supposed to be that guy, I believe, from all indications. So that takes you back to Doctor Strange was not even doc, not even the mystical Doctor Strange back during Iron Man two, and then it gets you to where you know when you do the when you get to that mid credit scene, he's kind of a much more polished Doctor Strange. He's got the gloves on. There's a lot of things. So I think, yeah. but that should be fun to do. Domamu have come to bargain. <laughs> uh, no spoilers, guys. All right, so uh, this is a commentary track episode. Because it is a commentary track episode, this episode will be unedited. Because if 
something were to happen, background noise, whatever, we'd have to stop, try and sync up. It's a whole process, and nobody wants to deal with all that harshness. So uh, it's a two, what, Mark, two and a half hour? Two, two hours and 15? How, how long is it? Yeah, hold on. Let's see if I can hit the magic display button on this thing, if I can find where it is. Going, going from one machine to the other. It is two hours and 27 minutes. So two hours and 27 minutes of movie. Mark and I will be muting ours so that we can, you know, actually have commentary. And if you guys are watching at home, you can have the, the sound on. <laughs> but but uh, because it's two hours and 27 minutes, I may go from sitting down to standing up and maybe pacing a little bit. Or, I, you know, it's two hours and 27 minutes. I might need a drink of water. So, you know. Uh, we will, uh, we will do our best to try and minimize those noises, but I mean, come on guys, <laughs> work with us a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, we are starting at the 12 second mark, uh, for those of you with your Blu-rays, uh, or DVDs handy, uh, on the screen is the white snowy background of the, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's a commentary track. That's so spoilers. The, the winter soldier. Uh, stuff that we're going to see here in a minute. And on the screen, it says 1991. So the 12 second mark is where we're starting. Um, Mark, anything else before we get started? No, I say let's, I say let's do it. And, ho- and hopefully we won't hit long patches of, of silence, which would be kind of shocking, not just for us, but because there's always something to talk about in, in this movie. <laughs> All right, guys, 12 second mark on the count of one, uh, or on the count of start. Let's just say three, two, one, start. Uh, on the count of start, hit your play buttons at home. So three, two, one, start. 1991. Zoom in. That's right. It's a slow zoom. <laughs> uh, Time to go get Bucky. Don't open dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> They always have some mission for Bucky, and as we know, this mission is a little more relevant than many of the others, <laughs> at least as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we're on a path for... I mean, I mean nothing really too to talk about. Do you think we're on a path to uh, Bucky Cap? Probably. Okay. I, I, would I figure almost, too. I mean, when you look at Sebastian Stan, the length of his contract, and or the, the number of movies in his contract, and we know that uh, Chris Evans' contract is pretty much going to be up after the Infinity stuff. That, uh, that though he do, obviously he's willing, you know, he's made it clear he is willing to come back for, for more. I would suspect at the least they're going to go the Bucky route for a while, which doesn't mean they can't bring Steve Rogers back at some point. Yeah. Uh, the magic code words for Bucky. That's right. But nine. Chihuahua. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, poor Bucky. Ready to comply. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The magic red book, that'll be kind of another, almost like a MacGuffin in this movie in a way, at least from the Nemo, the Zemo, excuse me, point of view. Nemo's got nothing to do with it. That's another commentary track for another day. Okay, now this scene here. Did you know then what this was? I yeah, I kind of thought where it was going to be. I think okay. If we if if we go back to again, and, and even though it, you know it's a commentary track, so I guess I, theoretically we can be 
we can really be spoilers. Spo- I mean, not non-spoiler free right up front if we wanted to, because again, most people are not going to watch the movie for the first time with a. Which is kind of funny. As a quick aside, I was watching the the Days of Future Past, the road cut, because it was like four bucks on Amazon last weekend, so I bought it. So that was actually the original cut of the movie when Rogue took had a lot bigger role and took some of Kitty Pride's role at the end. That Brian Singer, when they were talking the commentary track, kind of made the point of that because uh, they almost did the same thing. They got to a spoiler point. I said. No one's going to be, it's like, you shouldn't be, no one's going to really be watching this for the first time with the commentary track on. Uh, yeah, I assumed this, I assumed based on what we saw in Winter Soldier that that's what they were alluding to, because they kind of have okay. alluded. Yeah, there was alluded, some quick flashes. Yeah. yeah. They kind of alluded to the Stark aspect of this, and, uh, which is why, you know, Steve might not really have known, but he kind of suspected or had reason, reasonable, there was a reasonable belief that, you know, Bucky was involved. Uh, the Avengers on there. Incognito. <laughs> I like how they're in the field, but she's also sort of in training right now. Yeah. Because everybody's kind of given Scarlet Witch, you know, trying to remind her what to look for and everything else, especially uh, uh, Black Widow, because she would be the queen of that. Uh, crossbones. This scene is pretty cool, even though, you know, again, we talk about we and we can debate why, you know, the Vision isn't somewhere involved, even if he's like behind closed doors in this operation. It is, but just seeing the Avengers that we do see from that team, and no, there's no War Machine either, actually. But, yeah. but in a way, it makes sense because when you, we're really focusing in on the Avengers that are really closest to Cap, when you think about it, and these this this group really has more of a personal a lot of personal relationships with Cap. Obviously, Falcon does. Uh, we know uh, Ed becomes a major factor in this movie, the relationship with Black Widow. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Red Wing! I like how they did that too, by the way. I, I it, The fact that he's a drone just makes sense. Because in the comics, couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, Falcon kind of see through yeah, I don't uh, his, maybe, his eyes or something? Maybe. I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't remember yeah. that. When I started reading Cap and the Falcon back in like in the late seventies or something, a lot, a lot of those, I have a lot of those issues. But there's you know it's kind of fuzzy. When you're a kid, you read it. A lot of those times, you just you want the action. You're looking for you're looking at the panels more than the story. Um, yeah. CDC. It's it's a biological disaster going on. That's always a plus. Both. That was a cool scene. Yeah. Talk about making a dramatic entrance. Oh, and speaking of, there are a lot of physical effects in this movie. Like, them flipping that truck through that archway, that was a physical effect. Like, I, I like, I mean, I, it's kind of obvious, and, you know, if you can do it, you can do it. But, like, I like how many physical effects there actually are in this film. They oh, could have easily done a certain, certain amounts of them in CGI or partly CGI, but they, where they could, they made it physical. Yeah, and I think... You can always you can always appreciate not doing CGI as much as obviously nowadays you can, uh, but when you do physical stuff, even a just a, just makes and even things like this, it just makes the fight scenes look better. When just the more the more real you can get, the more real you are when you're making it, as opposed to all blatantly CGI stuff. I think it helps. And I do, th- and this scene's pretty. 
this scene's cool because you kind of see the development of all the characters. You see Black, yeah. you see Scarlet Witch getting more in tune with her powers, and even though obviously there's a slight glitch with that in a few minutes, but we see Falcon, who seems to be much more polished, much more trained than he was when we saw him in Winter Soldier, and obviously Cap just continues to get kind of like more, more and more polished as things go away, <laughs> go through. I mean, as things as we progress. Oh, Cap kicking some butt. What did you think of Crossbones? I, I he didn't. I mean, as a character, as based on especially comparing Winter Soldier and going his arc through this, that was kind of he's kind of okay. But I, I don't think the I don't think the costume did much for me. Nah, I knew right away it wasn't going to be a big deal. Uh, I mean, you can't build a uh, a movie around the character of Crossbones. I don't think. No, I mean, he, he's he's a he's a um, one note villain. <laughs> no, uh, I'm trying to compare him to one of the 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 Christopher Nolan Batman villains, like uh, Scarecrow. Uh, yeah, like Scarecrow. You can't really build a movie around him, but he's gonna be like a B tier, B plot type villain. You can do some cool stuff with him, but the whole thing can't be about him. No, I think I I think that's true. <clears throat> It's good. Stuff. I like. Good. Is it weird to you that Black Widow is in the field in regular garb, like not in? She's wearing those boots. She's wearing the jacket. Like she's wearing jeans. Like what the hell is she doing? No, I think because obviously the, I think with the the the, the, the women here, I think they're using more as the reconnaissance aim or the undercover. So I think I guess it makes sense to try to. I mean, Natasha's going to stand out pretty much. It's going to be hard to get her to slip through anyway, so I guess you might as well, if you're going to do it, you might as well try it and keep her in street clothes. Uh, I yeah, but, but Scarlet Witch was wearing the hat. I mean, Natasha appeared on Capitol Hill on TV in yeah, front of millions I, of people. I, I, like, Natasha should be wearing the hat or doing something to hide that red hair. You know, like, I don't know why, why Scarlet Witch is undercover. More so than Natasha. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah. Super Soldier Serum or not? That's that that that's gonna be a few bruises for a little bit. Another 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 MacGuffin. That, actually, not much of a MacGuffin, because you cause unless it shows up in another movie, because they that was more like that literally was just like a red herring, making you think this thing was gonna be something relevant in this movie that uh. Maybe that biological thing, that biological agent, which really doesn't come into play. Yeah. Other than to show the Avengers working as a team, which goes fairly well till the very end. Yeah. Uh, poor Scarlet Witch she just hasn't had a good couple of years. <laughs> Even just the filming of like scenes like this, I'm being on location and stuff. This it just makes it, you know, because this is not. It's just a lot of a lot of extras to have into a scene like this. Even though obviously some of the stuff we know with you know CGI or CGI enhanced, it's just the fact that obviously there, there are a lot of real people in all the scenes involving the Avengers on the ground here. So I think that, that I think that I think that adds to it too. Yeah. I like the little uh, play fake here when they think they think somebody's got the got the biological agent, but 
Wrong. So what do you think? You, th you think Black Widow really could pull off a movie either by herself or like doing something with like Hawkeye? You think you think that you think that could work? Either. I mean, it, 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 I think they if they did it right, like the same way Winter Soldier was in, like for the longest time one of the single best Marvel Cinematic films, and it wasn't necessarily a superhero movie. It was more like an espionage-type film. If we went full-on espionage, if we went full-on Jason Bourne-ish kind of thing with Black Widow, I think it could work. If you make it more about the plot and less about... you know, The, the same way a lot of people say like the, the formula for a good superhero movie isn't necessarily, oh, it's a Superman movie, it's... It's a blank movie that just so happens to have Superman in it as the main character. So I think that's the same kind of thing. <laughs> thank, I'm not. Thank, it, thank, <laughs> thank Red Wing. His name is Red Wing. Pet him. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think she could support it, and I think I think you would do well uh, pairing her up with Clint. I think you would do well pairing her up with maybe Falcon. Uh, or something like that. Uh, no powered person. Um, though she probably would be funny with Paul Rudd, though. <laughs> you know, it would be interesting if we get to a point where Tony is head of Shield, because now that Shield's back in, uh, if he's director of Shield, now that now, because I don't know if you've been watching Agents of Shield, uh, but Shield is back, like in the in in the public eye, uh, back. So if you eventually get to the point where Tony becomes head of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you have your Black Widow movie then, and, like, so Tony's there for your star power or whatever, he's not really big in it, but he sends her out on this reconnaissance, you know, spy-type mission, maybe with Clint. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. <clears throat> I, mean, I, I mean, I would be interested in it, because I think Scarlett has done a really good job with that character. She's kind of made that yeah. character a lot more interesting than probably we would have ever suspected it would have been when you and Paul and poor Cap getting sucked in with the Bucky card almost got almost got obliterated. Instead, this poor building and people are going to be obliterated. <laughs> Missed it by that much. They certainly did a good job at humanizing Scarlet Witch in, in this movie more than. She kind of—they obviously were working on that by the time you got to the end of Ultron, but yeah. But you—you you, you can definitely see that the change in the, ch the change in her character. Uh, she's becoming more, a little more social. This was the scene everybody was talking about yep. in terms of like CGI. I think it certainly—it obviously makes it a lot easier to do a scene like this, not just because of today's technology, but because there. Are, there are a lot of reference points in you know film wise and everything that do exist uh, of Robert Downey Jr. at the appropriate age. <laughs> so yeah, not, yeah. So it makes it, but this was nicely, nicely done. I recognize the actress who's playing his mother from a TV show called Newsroom. Oh yeah, the, that's true. I do. I really freaking like that show. I rewatch the hell out of it all the time. I've probably seen it like seven or eight times now, the whole series. Um. <clears throat> Stark family dynamics, as it, it maybe it it, he wished it would have been under under the right sort. Looking back at it now, anyway. Yeah. The good relationship with his mom and the all too typical confrontational relationship with his father. 
think that was one of the big clues that it wasn't a pure flashback when she says, you know, what's what's about to happen. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes that. But even when she said it the first time I watched it in the theater, it says that's kind of an odd thing to say. Is he Tony in the background? Yeah. Looks a little like Tom Holland's Spider-Man there, actually, if you look at his face. Hmm. There's a little bit of slight resemblance there. Barf. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony. And as I know, we talked about when we saw it, when we actually did the episode on this when it came out that you definitely, whether it's natural or enhanced, besides the young t- Tony, you actually this is the most weathered and beat down looking older Tony I think that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it could just be pure natural. The you know the aging process finally catching up to Robert Downey Jr. Or it could have just been maybe it was slightly modified in some scenes. But either way, it's you can this this is to me this is the first movie where you can actually notice the uh, that Robert Downey Jr. is like like over what over fifty now. Or knocking on the door. I think he's over fifty now. And I like the uh, this is this is cool in just in general with the, you know with the grants and everything, but but I, I like how 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 they're subtle, it's relatively subtle when they have the you know that cool you know virtual teleprompter if you will, and they get to the point where they talk about you know Pepper coming up and how he just kind of like pauses, mm-hmm. which kind of gives you the first you know which makes it pretty clear. Just it's a nice way of get, making it crystal clear to everybody that something's going on between the two of them since the last time we saw them all together. Which also makes you wonder how that's going to play out with him and Pepper going forward. Yeah. There really wasn't much of an explanation between Iron Man 3 and uh, and uh, Age of Ultron. No, that's true. <clears throat> and that guy is, was the dean in the, in the TV show Community. <laughs> Six seasons in a movie. Uh, they didn't have time to fix it. They didn't have time to delete a few words. Yeah. For real? Well, that's all. I like how they. Go, go ahead. No, no, you say what you're going to say. I like how they did this scene compared to the comic. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah, because in the comics, I mean, the, just the whole catalyst for Civil War is something completely different, so. I think with the, with the Pepper thing, going back to that for a second, I think we probably can infer that whatever actually happened between the two of them must be relatively recent. Yeah. As far as it coming to a head or becoming public, that there's an, you know, you know. I, yeah, I, got, I got the feeling, though, during Age of Ultron that Tony was covering. Like, it, Pepper just wasn't there just because they couldn't get the actress or they couldn't fit it into the story. You know, they, he had that little pissing match with with Thor. Uh, with Thor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But but I feel I I kind of feel like t- I, even then I kind of feel like Tony was covering something. Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe I'm overthinking. No, but it, you thought that at the time. Yeah. Hmm. I just thought it was one of those things where at the end of the day they just. 
Because I think she was going to be in it at one point, so I think it's just something that just was a change of plans. I think, but mm. but this scene this scene is effective as far as uh, getting into Tony's head or seeing why you know Tony's going to start changing his his approach to things. It is kind of interesting. And plus, it doesn't hurt that you get someone like Alfre Woodard to play such a relatively small part as far as certainly screen time-wise, but yet relevant as far as getting you know the dominoes falling over. Upstate New York. Avengers headquarters. Wakanda. What 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 Wakanda? <laughs> yeah, what what comes out of Wakanda? <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing I'm interested to see in the Black Panther movie. Evidently, everybody thinks that the villain's supposed to be Claw. I don't think I see him as a A-list villain for that movie. I think, like we were talking about earlier, I think he's a, a B-tier, B-plot villain. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the main bad guy. He's just going to be a it helps to have him be the set, be a B tier bad guy because we already are introduced to him in Ultron. Yeah. And Cap being the bi- the big brother father figure here, trying to trying to make Wanda feel better, which he should. Which not it isn't just his job; it's just he he knows that he, he kind of like he's saying here he kind of dropped the ball with the whole Bucky thing. That's his weakness. His shatter point is Bucky, so. But he does it. I think. But again, you can you can tell that he's done a really good, really tried to do a really good job of building a relationship with her, which would make sense too. It's kind of funny when you go back when you think about it, because leaving the vision out, of course, because that's going down a different path. But the two characters that are probably close. Can you knock? I, <laughs> <laughs> I could have been naked. I was hoping for that. <laughs> that uh. You know the two characters that human characters that are closest to Scarlet Witch are the two ones that probably wanted to like probably wanted to punch her in the face the most in the in Ultron, Hawkeye and Captain America. <laughs> I thought it's I think it's hilarious to see Vision wearing like a <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Rogers kind of sweater and stuff. If he tries desperately to fit in, but it just makes him fit in even less. <laughs> uh-huh. At least it wasn't a Christmas sweater. Though I guess it comes close. Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, this that was a nice touch. It was a nice touch bringing him back. He's he was kind of way overdue to come back, which isn't all his fault since the Hulk. You know, <laughs> we haven't had a Hulk a Hulk solo movie in so long that there haven't been that many chances to bring Thunderbolt Ross in logically before now. the Sokovia Accords. And the first little open, the first hint of open descent here among the team in a few minutes when they all start arguing different points. Marvel's done such a good job of casting these characters. I mean, there's, there's a few that you might think are questionable, but when you look at, you know, obviously uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and 
Scarlett Johansson and now like but Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange among others yeah. I mean obviously uh, Hemsworth is good as, as good at Thor as Thor um, and Ruffalo has kind of grown on me at least as Banner but they're all I mean they've done such a good job with casting they really haven't made m- many missteps though I'm still not a big fan of uh, Cheadle as uh, Rhodey yeah, he's slowly growing on me, but a little too slow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a big uh, Terrence Howard fan in general, but he was better as Rhodey. He was, and he and he sold the relationship with him and Tony better than uh than than Cheeto. And Ross, you know, Ross is kind of making a a good you know theoretical point here. About the idea that you know, basically they can, they can do, they can do what they want and go where they want. There's no real, con- there's no one, and no one really has any say on it. So he's also making it calmly, which helps because Thunderbolt is known to be just a dick a lot of the time, uh, both in comics and in his other portrayals and live action. But here he's Secretary of State, so he's in a more balanced political type of situation so he's he i mean you can still see thunderbolt there behind his eyes but i think and in some of the things he says like this about the nukes um but he's secretary of state so there's a weight to what he says there's some calm political aspect to what he says so on and so forth and him having that heart attack probably helped mellow him out a little bit too (laughs) true (laughs) and i like this this little subtle a little subtle glance between Tony and Cap there, as we'll find out, as a reference in a few seconds about how why Tony's so quiet, and again, the, the subtle way they're building the fact that Cap and Iron Man know each other well, even though, in a way, as we they, they haven't spent much time, on, theoretically, on screen building a close friendship. But at least you get a good picture in this movie of the fact that they subtly, of how they do understand it, how the other one thinks. Ah, uh, Baron Zemo. Or the man who should be Baron Zemo. Just Zemo. <laughs> Call me Bob Zemo. What did you think of Zemo as a villain overall? Because obviously it was a different approach to a villain in this movie. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I've never read any comics with him in it, so I didn't expect anything, but I did do a little research like, and, and I use the term research loosely since my source was largely Wikipedia. Um, but there's uh, this, he's almost just a dude. I mean, and that's it. He's just, just a dude, uh, who happens to be brilliant, uh, slash maybe has some resources that the average person doesn't. And that's about it. Whereas Baron Zemo in the comics is a completely different person. Yeah, I mean, they, they pretty much just use the name just because he has a reference point and you know, gave him some kind of background, you know, with this, you know, with his Sokovia military background that would make it possible for for him to maybe like do stuff like this to track to try to track down, you know, the the book that you need for the Winter Soldier and the mission reports which relate to Stark you know, the Stark's death and things like that. But, I don't know, I, I think what they did with him was very effective in this movie, and I and they even, you know, it's even obviously part of the plot when he makes it clear that, you know, 
that he knew, you know, he himself, he had no chance of being able to, you know, just defeat, physically defeat the Avengers, because, you know, basically tougher people than him have, have tried that and have failed. But if you could basically get them to destroy each other, then... So, so I thought what they did was clever, because in a way he was one of your more really effective and successful villains that we've right. seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far, despite the fact that he isn't anything special on the surface. But that being said, I... I when I when you heard Zemo was going to be in this movie, that I did kind of hope it was going to be some kind of reference point or some real tie into the the, the helmet Zemo that we that comic book fans know from uh, either whichever in whichever version of Baron Zemo you were going to deal with, the World War II version, or like the modern day version, you know, who eventually became leader of the Thunderbolts and things like that. I thought there was going to be, I was hoping there was going to be more of a direct tie in to that character. And of course, we don't know what's going to happen, and he's still alive. Which, <laughs> spoiler alert! So that that's something that uh, is a rarity itself for you know for villains, it seems, in comic book movies. So he's still alive. So there's always there's always a potential future for him. <laughs> uh, water torture. Blub blub. Hail Hydra. It'd be nice to put Hydra in the past, though. Overall. <laughs> I'm kind of hydrated out. Ah, <clears throat> uh, the big debate, which is really cool, as you have this is almost like the proxy war going on between for, for, <laughs> being fought for Tony and and Cap with uh, Sam. But and I like Rhodey. I, I like having Sam and Rhodey argue because they're both soldiers, both. More, more so in Rhodey's case, both actually active service members. I mean, the, Steve is a soldier; he's a consummate right. soldier. But he's he, uh, Rhodey and in in Sam are modern soldiers, right. and so I think it's interesting to see them both have two completely different viewpoints. Right. I agree. It worked. Yeah, it, wor- it works on multiple levels. It works on just the fact that you have, again, two sides that just because two people have similar backgrounds and have been are in somewhat similar positions, as we all know, doesn't mean people will have the same world view. But it also, like I said, it works on the other level because you kind of have an, a proxy civil war between you know the, the best buddies of the two main characters. <laughs> and here we go. Mm. Cap calling out Tony on his on his quietness. Tony on edge. Mm. Now, do you think it's a little surprising that 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 little scene with Alfre Woodard would have that much of an effect on Tony immediately? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think I we needed too. more. I think we needed more to push Tony to this point. That's why maybe more background on what happened with him and Pepper would have been useful, because if yeah. because if something related to you know either Sokovia or something else, something something related to the you know the cause and effect, kind of like the you know, the cause causality or whatever that like the vision was referring to in a way that maybe if there was some kind of thing related to Tony personally, that it would make more sense why he would kind of all of a sudden kind of switch to oh yeah oversight isn't so bad even if if even if it's to justify well at least this way we keep partial control when if we don't it's going to be put on us and we'll have even less of a say 
Which again, theoretically, is is an is an argument that makes sense. Um, but and they do a good as they do a good job in this movie doing both, making both sides seem reasonable. And, and wanting to go along with it and not wanting to go along with it. Though I would assume we're still, and I, I agree, that we're still supposed to believe Steve is, Steve's side is just probably a little bit more right. <laughs> Especially this concept about, you know, what if, you know, they we need to go somewhere and they won't let us, or they make us go somewhere we don't want to go. Yeah. We don't think we should be going. I think those are those are pretty important points. Uh, division. We would protect you. I will protect you. <laughs> what he's really meaning, reading between the lines. Uh, Tony just can't let a good moment <laughs> stand as it is. He's got to go make it make it bad. This is a funny seeing Cap with a cell phone, a smartphone at that. <laughs> bye bye, Peggy. Yeah. I know. I think we may have talked about this when we did the review. Are you a fan of those of the big fonts for the city names? Uh, it was jarring when I first saw it in theaters, but it's but it, the more I watch it, the more it, the or the less it bothers me. Yeah, I still don't like it. I know in the commentary they talked the Russos talked about why they made that decision to do that. Uh, you know, to kind of make it pretty much unavoidable that you would know. <laughs> exactly where you were since there was so much hopping and skipping in this movie they didn't want to make it any any doubts about where they were but i still think it could have been a tad smaller this and is, it dawns on him yeah this is kind of a interesting little rev interesting way to know that the chick that you've had the hots for for a while is uh <laughs> related to the chick you had the hots hot hots for even longer <laughs> <laughs> Agent 13 slash Sharon Carter. Yeah. Big part of the comics. Does, does Cap end up marrying her in the comics? I, I can't remember. I don't think he married her. <clears throat> they were definitely an yes. item for a while. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that they have uh, they have Sharon deliver the speech as opposed mm-hmm. to probably still would have been more effective if Cap said something like that instead of her, but... No, you move. But this is another good bonding scene, especially here with uh, Natasha. And it's also a good scene, uh, not this scene, but the scene we just saw, it's also a good thing because you know, you know that Sharon knows what's happening. She's in a position to where she knows what the, that the Sokovia Accords are coming down. Like, it's not just yet public knowledge. Something's in the air, but Sharon knows exactly what's in the air. So it, it works on that level, too. 
Yeah, and this is that's that's well said. And this and this is yeah, this is pretty. This is relevant because you kind of get you you get not that this is surprising based on what we saw between these two characters in Winter and Winter Soldier, but the idea that and all along going back to the Avengers because because Natasha's always worked literally close to, to Steve, so it would make sense they have a a personal relationship and and the fact that it's kind of making it clear that you know she's there supporting him as a person even though they're kind of on the for at least for now on the wrong on opposing on posing and opposite sides of this issue that she's not there related to she's not making a statement about where she stands on the accords by being here she's there for him so he wouldn't be alone so i think that's i think that's kind of cool vienna <laughs> <laughs> They do hop skip all over the place in this movie. Yeah, it also helps uh, make the Avengers a really. I mean, they've obviously fought elsewhere, but it may, helps make the Avengers a truly global force. Yes. T'Challa showing up. They, they, they one thing again besides the casting, Marvel has done a really good job at like introducing new characters. And I don't mean even like in a cameo, but I mean the first – I mean they made Black Panther such a cool character in this movie right off the bat. Yeah. And just like – you know, same thing with Doctor Strange, same thing with you know Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. They do, they've done such a good job in making especially, – especially the less lesser-known characters where A, it kind of – maybe it does – well, it's arguable. You can make a case it matters more or maybe it matters less with B to your characters to make a very cool and important impression. But they do such a good job with that. Even, even uh, Black Widow herself is kind of a, was a B, is a B tier character in the big picture, at least when she was first introduced here. So they do such a good job at making them have a presence right off the bat. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the popularity of Black Panther, I went to because uh, Tara's son Grayson was looking for a Halloween costume. Uh, or no, she he he's a big he likes Iron Man. And she got him an Iron Man costume, but it was too big. So we needed to go get a small one. So I just happened to be with him that day. So we went to Target to get the smaller version. And when we were there, I did see some Marvel costumes. I saw Spider-Man. I saw Iron Man. I saw Cap. And I saw Black Panther. Black Panther is not usually a name you associate with those first three in terms nope. of popularity. So, But yeah, there were Black Panther costumes there. So he's had an effect. And it also helps besides his role in this movie, and you know, and how we, you know, the acting in the movie with the character. It's also that they gave him a really, they did a really authentic and really cool unif- uniform slash costume for him. So that helps too. That yeah. his costume is pretty is pretty badass, especially with it being laced with the vibranium. Yeah, it's also it's not just badass. It. You can tell based on context and the way the the movie progresses that it's not the first time he's worn it, and it's also not the first time that costume has existed. It's not like right. he he lost his father, like he, he you know the scenes you're seeing here, and then goes back home, has someone commissioned to make him the costume, and then he goes out. This is a role that's been around for a long time. I agree. I agree. And this is a nice scene between Sharon and uh, Steve. Oh, yeah. Is Steve going to get lucky? No. 
But the one thing you see in this movie pretty consistently, and it's not surprising, is that what St- is that even when people don't necessarily, when either they don't necessarily agree with Steve on across the board on issues, or even if they kind of do, they they're not in a position to support him openly. Their personal relationships with Steve make it really hard for them to just look the other way. They they still want to help him, even if they don't necessarily either think he's right, or even if they do, but they can't really publicly or come out and support him. They still kind of want to, or do their best to kind of help him along the way. <laughs> so, you know, Sharon obviously has a personal relationship with him, but uh, the fact that, you know, she's still willing to put herself on the line there to help him a lot, especially later in the movie. Yeah. Port Tachaka. He was... Small role, but he was pretty cool. It is kind of, again, in, in the world that they live in, it is kind of somewhat unbelievable that nobody that nobody is willing to believe, as we find out as the movie goes on, the possibility that somebody is trying to set Bucky up for this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also, you have... To, there's so much here that couldn't have happened without the previous movies. Like, for instance, the public even knowing that the Winter Soldier exists, that Bucky Barnes is still around, that he's linked to Hydra, because the the public doesn't know that without Black Widow leaking the files at the end of the Winter Soldier movie. I like this scene too, just the way you get kind of like the little glimpse into the Wakanda culture and way of looking mm. at things. I think it's interesting slash cool that the king has a ring, not a crown. <clears throat> Oh, yes, and Natasha knows that it's going to hit the fan. Steve's another one that's kind of, at least in the cinematic universe, it's kind of hard for him to go incognito, really. Yeah. (laughs) Especially since he he very rarely ever has his helmet on, not just because it's Chris Evans, but it just seems like it it happens. You know, there's there's really no uh, secret identity for for Steve Rogers, really, in this universe, so, it's, but he, but he also isn't, uh, he also isn't in America, so it probably makes it a little, less likely that the average person would pick up on him. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a meme online about, uh, Marvel incognito stuff, everybody, it's gotta be jackets with the collar upturned, aviators, and, uh, a hat, <laughs> That is how you go incognito in the Marvel universe. Like it's not, it, it's shown it's shown multiple things. It's not just these scenes here. You also see like, you know how during Iron Man three, Tony you know, put put on a hat to go into the bar and all that stuff, trying to look all country or whatever. I think there's a couple others. Yeah, it's, it's your it's your standard design, <laughs> standard design, pretty much. <clears throat> He's working on his lines. <laughs> <laughs> I like that practicing Russian. 
Like you just get a taste for how intelligent he is. Like the fact that he's setting up this routine here. He already knows what's going on. Yeah, he he's a he's a very subtle kind of subtle kind of evil, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Which is which contrasts nicely to what let's say Ultron. Ultron right. Ultron was way way over the top from the beginning, I think. So Here's Bucky just look just looking for looking for some fruit, man. <laughs> Incognito in a hat. No glasses though. <laughs> Should have worn a bag on his head after he sees that TV screen. <laughs> Bullcrest. It's like the Marvel World Tour. They go everywhere. Hey, I know you. Aw, damn. Still, probably not everybody. Well, I guess people would recognize him more because now that people know who the Winter Soldier's real identity is and they have, they can have pictures of him to, to plaster as opposed to when he was just wearing the disguise. It'd be much harder to figure out who he was. But yeah, all the fallout from, from the end of Winter Soldier. A little convenient how they found him. Yep. German Special Forces. This is a cool action sequence that's about to happen. This is... Where Cap's doing his best to protect Bucky at the same time he's trying to make sure Bucky doesn't go off and start ripping people's limbs off. And thank God they've just, and we've talked about this before, but thank God they've just settled into basically a vari- any variation of the of the uh, first Avenger uniform as Cap's uniform, and not and and put that abortion of a uniform from Avengers way in the distance. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only costume Cap's ever worn in these movies that looks like crap. Good old Joss Whedon. How could you ever think that costume was good? That was cool. Using the shield to take out the grenade there. The smoke. Ooh. Obviously, Bucky's, uh. <laughs> Bucky's will- not quite as willing to pull his punches as Steve is. <laughs> I'm going to throw a guy at another guy. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole lot of that going on. Oh, that's got to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Brick to the face. 
bionic arm comes in handy. Ugh. The crowds are getting their asses kicked all over the place. <laughs> Like, um, work with me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you threw a guy over a stairwell? Come on, man. Knock it off. But again, Bucky's being smart, too, because at the same time, Bucky really has no desire to fight Cap or certainly to hurt Cap at this moment in time, but he does want to get away from Cap. <laughs> so keep creating these roadblocks. Tuck and roll. Yep. And you fucked. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Kitty's got claws. <laughs> I, I, also, I also thought of uh, Tony from, from the Avengers. And now there's this <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting, and maybe we'll get more of a background in this in the Black Panther movie. But it, but it is more, but it's quite interesting to see how well uh, Black Panther does against both Bucky and Cap. To us, considering he really shouldn't be that, you would think, as athletically trained as he can be, you would still think that he would be strength-wise at a disadvantage. Uh, I also think it's interesting. I, I'd like to see in the Black Panther movie because we do get some fight scenes with Black Panther here, but I think it'd be interesting to see the, the in the Black Panther movie how they develop and showcase his fighting style because he is from Africa, you know, and you know it's you you can do your whole judo and you know karate type of fight moves, but at some point you have to taking into consideration where this character comes from and the different type of fighting style of that continent. And a it's, it's a made-up nation, but a, a nation like that would have had throughout its history and how they developed their warriors and their fighting class. That's true. That's a good point. I'd like to see how it's different from something else. Get out. <laughs> This chase scene is kind of cool, but it's but there's a little bit. But the CGI in this stuff kind of takes, like we talked about, the real stuff is cool, but the CGI stuff in it kind of takes you takes you out of it a little bit. And there's a lot of there's a lot of practical effects in this one. Oh yeah, there are in but, the scene. I mean, yeah, but you can tell that some of the, some of the moments when there aren't <laughs> or when they're not. Yeah. So. Again, how and they play up how fast Black Panther is too. <laughs> Whoops, traffic jam. This is so cool. <laughs> just such a badass. God, I love that that sequence when he just jacks the motorcycle like that. They do a lot of good. I mean, when you think about it, they do. A, they've done a lot of good things with with their motorcycle stunts in all the movies. Like even with uh, even though it really wasn't Scar Scarlet 
for multiple reasons. First and foremost, at least because she was pregnant when they were making Ultron. But the idea that when when she kind of does that one wheel stop, I think when she's trying to get Cap the shield back in Korea or whenever. Yeah, well, when she just jumps out of the when when they oh, do yeah, the, the Barton's jet, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they drop her out of the Quinjet in the in in on the motorcycle. That was just so cool. Poor Falcon. <laughs> I, I like the way he just kind of like gets the tire right there with his claw. That's kind of cool. And That's practical effect right there. The yep. car flipping like that. That's awesome. Ooh. <clears throat> uh, here comes Rhodey being a lackey. Make a move, reindeer game. <laughs> Up yours, buddy. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rody. That is one cool costume. Damn. <laughs> and that's when oh god there, there's Division trying to cook wearing a cardigan <laughs> this is an interesting scene because on some I mean obviously we know why it's in here and I think it works but it is kind of a – it's a change of pace that could have not – I'm trying to describe it the best way. It's, it's, it's a change of pace, but that change of pace could not have – it possibly could not have worked well. But it does work well because, you know, because if you have the background with these characters, you know they're going to get close. But it's also – you're seeing the humanity of two characters that, in a way that are very much outsiders. And it also plays into, you know – Furthering the plot a little bit since that's we kind of find out that the vision's kind of like essentially babysitting her, <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to keep her safe from herself or other people's reaction to her, to be fair. But still, and of course, it never hurts them having the same source of their power. Be the be the stone. That's, yeah, that's a that's a nice bond of something that will always kind of like be a bond between the two of them is the source of their power. So talk to Thor. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting though that that stone. How's the AI for Ultron and all this information and stuff, but doesn't have information on itself and its own origins? That's true. Maybe we'll get more of an. Ex- maybe there's some. Maybe there's an aspect to all the Infinity Stones that don't quite work or remain secret until they're all brought together. Maybe that's part of what makes them eventually so powerful when you put them in the gauntlet. At least is that there's a there's like another layer. Once when they're all together, they help uncover. 
Yeah, hmm. that's when Wanda realizes she's kind of a prisoner now. And it makes sense that the Vision would be the one to kind of be put in that position, especially with, as you get more of an explanation in this movie, you know, Hawkeye theoretically could have filled that role if he wasn't "quote unquote" retired. <laughs> but, no. other, but with her being, with him being out of the loop, Vision is the best person to really get the point across in a non-confrontational way that she might accept the idea that you kind of have, you really should stay here. For, you know, it's for the greater good right now for you to stay here. <laughs> the little origin of Black Panther here. And I like the fact that we get a little bit of we get a little bit of Wakanda in this movie, but not enough to make us interested, but not enough to really know how things really work. <laughs> Just so when we get to the Black Panther movie, there's a lot of stuff that we can, a lot of information we're curious about that I'm, I'm sure we're going to get. Even at right. the end, I mean, even at the end, at the end, obviously because of his suit, we can we can infer even without knowing the comic background that Wakanda's pretty advanced. But when you get to the end of the movie, it becomes crystal clear that they're pretty advanced. <laughs> Everett Ross. Who's he supposed to be? Is, like, is that somebody we should know? Yeah, I don't think it's somebody we're supposed. I let me see if I. I don't remember if that. I don't remember if that character was a a big name because I know in the beginning. Let's see if he's actually how much of an. Ex- yeah, let's see. And I'm trying to read from the. Wikipedia page here to see if there's anything on him of relevance. Um, he was assigned to Wakanda, so I guess in, in, his, in his background. So that that might that might be why he's really being introduced here, assuming it. So. <laughs> Government's property, wings too. <laughs> Uh, Zemo's plan continues. Though, to be fair, I kind of found... I found a lot of the scenes early on with Zemo not to be particularly interesting. I mean, the, it seems like they almost have to have the, that scene in, but it, but it, until he actually goes to see Bucky again, it doesn't seem... Most of his scenes up to this point didn't really do much for me. <laughs> but this is... There's some good, mo- good moments with Tony and... Uh, Steve in this scene. Yeah. But yet still playing up the natural conflict between the two of them. Peace offering. Olive branch. 
Low blow, Steve. Well, if he knew about it, <laughs> he was trying to be conversational. Yep. So now you get our first real, not much of an explanation, but acknowledgement of the implied situation before between Tony and Pepper. And that's kind of an important revelation, which we kind of knew anyway that Tony doesn't really want to give up being Iron Man, and that's kind of part of the problem, <laughs> at least regarding Pepper. I do like how even though he says that God I hated you it's, you could tell that the the tension or the jealousy between on Tony's side related to Cap has kind of mellowed a little bit now that he actually has seen Cap up close he kind of knows that at least he, deep down he knows what his father saw in, in Steve He does make a pretty, uh, pretty effective argument here. I, I kind of like this part, the fact that they kind of, you have that nice personal moment where you think they're going in the right direction, and kind of Tony steers it away accidentally, and it's like, it kept like, I, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> like, Tony. And there comes the Wanda thing, yep. Jeez. And there is a fundamental uh, difference in worldview here, which is nicely comes across nicely here. The idea of you know what's when 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 is it really protection versus you know loss of freedom. Which yeah. is something we something we in the modern world we know we wrestle with this all the time the idea of you know how far do you go how far can you go and should you go to for protection before it gets to the point where you've lost so much freedom then what, is it really worth it or what are you protecting anymore so and here we go oh Zemo good plan though was a good plan true. Um, again, I don't, I guess you don't really need a big bad for this movie. I mean, he is the big bad, but bird costume. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that was great. <laughs> I mean, you don't really need a big bad considering they're going up against one another, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know what I would have expected or would have wanted more of. It is, I mean, f- up to this point, I mean, if you, if we're going to come up with any kind of criticism of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think one of the most consistent or the best one one can make is the fact that we know they really, the villains have been relatively 
they've been really they've been weak as a whole. There've been a few good ones. Loki, obviously, but on his own, Loki's always cool. So he helped make the first event the first Avengers movie work because of the character. Uh, Red Skull was pretty good in in first Avenger. I think that was good, but you know, Iron Man. If they've had three pretty lame villains in in, in Iron Man in the big picture, uh, Dark World that was pretty lame as far as a villain goes. Um, Winter Soldier was interesting because Bucky was kind of not. He was a puppet, but he wasn't really the big bad. So that's, but again, maybe in that vein, it kind of works just like Zemo works. But it, you know, Ant Man didn't. Again, not a strong villain really. Doctor Strange, it kind of worked out better than I thought. I didn't think, I didn't think that villain was going to work as well. Um, Mickelson, I didn't think that his character was going to work, but I thought he pulled, I thought he acted that really well, so I thought that worked. But Marvel hasn't really played up the big villains that much, like so maybe, maybe, so hopefully uh, Infinity War will kind of like play that, you know, make play that aspect up finally. I wonder who so. Red Skull's got to be around somewhere, so he's yeah. got to be around. Loki's around. Uh, Malekith is dead. Uh, who else do we have? Um, I mean, Zemo's obviously still around. Yeah. Again, we talked about. You can, Ultron's you can, dead. Probably, you can make a case since again we don't really see what happens between him and the Vision. In that final conflict, we don't. But there's a chance. I mean, but yeah, on the surf, on the surface, there aren't that many villains that we know just disappear and haven't. You know, their fate has yet to be resolved. So, well, um, the Mandarin. Yeah, the real Mandarin. The, yes, the real. Yeah, the real Mandarin. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out who else. Um, but yeah, so it'd be curious to see if any of these villains. Oh, the Abomination is still around. Yeah, the Abomination. Abomination is still kicking. Uh, you would definitely like. I mean, you makes you makes you wonder if you're gonna, we're going to see some of these characters in the Infinity War. And yeah, because because you can't. I mean, you can't. You can't just have Thanos physically fighting everybody for the entire time because, that, again, besides making the characters look weak, it's like it's just not going to work. You're going to have to have lackeys taking, you know. So it would. So. It's like this is a good plan. Now, now let me get out of here before I get killed. <laughs> And we're about to have some cool action scenes too as Bucky tries to break free. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety-one. I'm at least glad in this movie they didn't have the brainwashed Bucky be really in this that much. You know, I I'm kind of glad they at least were kind of moving away from that. Though I guess they make it clear that. Bucky's not. Bucky can't easily control himself. He can't avoid being brainwashed if if put into the right situation. So, but hopefully, maybe by the the time they de-saw him in 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 the Infinity War, maybe he'll actually, maybe the 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 Wakandans will uh, have resolved that issue. 
Boom. Yeah, Sam does his best, but he certainly is outmatched by a lot of these characters. This is this is a cool fight scene coming up with Bucky and Tony and it's it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it's it's not surprising, but it's interesting to see uh, Black Widow fight somebody who she completely is outmatched by. Going back to Winter Soldier too. I mean, she just it's almost it's. I guess you can look at it in a way. It's kind of like if she fought Cap and Cap really had no. Morals. <laughs> it had no. There was no moral quandary about beating the hell out of her. That's kind of like right. what it would be like. It's so, but it is funny because usually we see you know Scarlet. I mean uh, Scar Scarlet as Black Widow do so well against almost everybody, and yet you know Bucky. She just just she has like no luck with Bucky in like two movies. <laughs> I would like to see Sharon and Natasha, Natasha clean team up a little bit more than they did. Yeah, that would have been cool. And Bucky's like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> of course, he, since he's brainwashed Bucky, he may, he may not remember fighting him entirely before. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah. So we're gonna have Tony come in just to get his ass kicked. People screaming. Yeah, I like this helicopter scene. They do a good job of kind of like showing what Cap can really do when he needs to. Guys, we need to showcase how strong Cap is. How can we do that? Show him holding a helicopter, like preventing it from flying away. I don't think we can do that. Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here comes Winter Soldier being a jerk. <laughs> Spoiler alert! What a shocker. No class. Oof. But there is some nice little payback here since since Cap gets to drag his ass out of the water as pay like Winter Soldier did for him in the last movie. It's always got to be a helicopter scene. Yeah. Makes it. And, they, and I'm sure they do uh, do this on purpose, but it does make it really hard to get invested in Bucky's character a lot when, when bad Bucky is such an ass. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the reason I was asking if they would go Winter Soldier Cap. Because I, I don't know if they've established that Bucky can be trusted by really anybody yet. Oh, no. They, have, they, they absolutely have to do a better job at that. They can't. 
they can't just switch into it right away. But I think that's worth it. They'll, I'm sure through Infinity War, there'll be a lot of... He'll probably get rid of the uh, brainwashing, being no, no longer susceptible or prone to it. This was a pretty subtle scene with him on the phone. Especially when we realized, you know, the, the real context of that phone call. Right. That... I, because at the time, clearly, you would not have suspected that. Um, I mean, yes, you could have in theory. I can't say no one did, but I guess it. it but I think most people probably were not expecting that to be what it turned out to be. Maybe once you found out what his background was, maybe once you found out, you know, where he, where he hailed from, and put what some of you know what his motivation kind of is, then maybe you could read into it then. But in the beginning, I doubt it. Uh, here's the scene from the Ant-Man credits. <laughs> a little jumbled, but yeah. Yep. Certainly change. It's kind of interesting because it certainly changes the context when you see this scene. Because when you had that at the end of of Ant-Man, you kind of assumed that uh, they were going to need Ant-Man to help get Bucky out of this thing, uh, or it was somewhat implied. Maybe that that was the deal when Sam goes, yeah, I know I know a guy. <clears throat> but when, we, when they put it in the proper context, you know, in this movie, obviously, it's completely different. Hmm. Why would he need hmm. to know that? Dun, dun, dun. Which book ends nicely back with the uh, 1991 assassination here. <laughs> and again, like, as, as a red herring or like a, a MacGuffin, they kind of make it... We do like the, I like the fact that they play up that you think the most important thing about this scene is, is getting what's in the trunk. Until you, you know, in, in the big picture, ultimately the real big issue is who's who's in the car and what happens to them. Ah, uh, the second gen <clears throat> super soldiers. The second gen winter soldiers, even 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 worse than Bucky. <laughs> Yes, that is possible. <clears throat> it is interesting that they play up the fact pretty early on that, uh, Not only are they forget about being just a match for Bucky, that they're just better than Bucky. <laughs> Which of course builds the tension, because again, one one could logically suspect that that's where that's where they were headed towards in the third act of this movie. Yeah, releasing all the yes, Winter that Soldiers. Gonna, that we're going to have the big, big <clears throat> fight scene with Cap, Iron Man, and uh, 
Bucky against the other Winter Soldiers. That's charming news. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I know a guy who can shrink. I'm yep. sure he'll be able to help. Yep. <laughs> and, and he's a crook anyway, so what does it matter? <laughs> This is this is in Tony's attempt in his his own way to try to look out for Cap. Not just look out for Cap. You know, clearly, we, as you know, the Avengers are a lot more important to Tony than he would have ever wanted us to believe earlier on. But so there's a certain element of that clearly going on here throughout, which comes out even directly in their dialogue when they're fighting at the airfield. But but clearly, Tony also is trying to keep is trying to look out for Steve the best way he he thinks, the only way he knows really. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. My arms are getting tired. My back <laughs> is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight. You know what that is? Tell us all, Jay. That's the King of, King of Queens. <laughs> uh, the theme song? Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy, Chad Bokum. They'll yeah. be here all the all week, people. Has anybody else ever wanted to sleep with Aunt May before now? Because <laughs> Doc Ock. all about it, <laughs> all about it. There is a there definitely is a cool dynamic between uh, Peter and Tony here right off the bat. Yeah, they're real, uh, they got the quipping stuff down together. <laughs> what did I apply for? The walnut date loaf. That just sounds disgusting. Hmm. 
Uh, it's good to see Tony actually has a little bit of respect for someone, <laughs> at least based on their skills and their and their interests and their natural abilities. on the computer. <laughs> Spiderling. <laughs> Spider boy. Tony is single right now. I like how they didn't really bother to give him an origin. Yeah. I mean, you know. And we've seen Spidey's origin way more than enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna have like it, like a twenty-second flashback scene at one point or something, almost like what they. Shorter than what they did in, in Batman vs. Superman. Uh, but something along those lines. Other than that, you we don't need a rehashing of Spider-Man's origin. <clears throat> I like how you know Peter kind of gets to Tony on that. I like how they sort of worked in the whole uh, responsibility thing. Yes. With, with great power comes with, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Hmm. Supposedly that I'm going to sit there line was uh, legitimate. Supposedly Tom Holland was not in the proper position. He was not in the. Uh, so that was that was that was Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. not breaking character, but getting the point across. <laughs> and hottie. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. 
And this scene's pretty good too. This would be this would be a cooler scene if you like if you hadn't already known that Clint was going to be in the movie. <laughs> like if they hadn't promoted Clint being part of like the airfield battle and stuff like that, then this right. is going to be cooler because you would not necessarily then it'd be more of a surprise that he showed up. You kind of were just figuring when he was going to show up. Kind of like kind of like Ant Man. You already knew Ant Man was going to be in it at that point. So yeah, I mean, so they're still cool scenes, but. The surprise factor, like everything else, disappears these days with everybody knowing so much of what's in every movie before it comes out. <clears throat> Poor vision. He is trying to do the right thing in his own mind, too. <laughs> Oops, he's back. It's a little violent for the vision, you would think. I think this is all part of the vision's learning curve and, and not necessarily a positive learning curve. I still think this is part of the vision, not his natural worthiness kind of going down into the toilet a certain extent as he becomes more and more human, especially now that he's got real emotions, especially because of Wanda, that he's prone to doing things that he probably, nor, that a non-emotional being wouldn't, his judgment wouldn't be clouded if he didn't have emotions, potentially. Not a good day for him. Nope. <laughs> I like this chick. Yep. Another glimpse into the Wakanda world that will get more of a... The curtain will be lifted fully once we see the Black Panther movie. <laughs> it's low profile. There's, oh uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the relationship between Bucky and uh, Sam is really good. But you anticipate will be going forward, no matter what they end up doing with Steve Rogers or, or Chris Evans for a while. You would think the the relationship between Bucky and Sam will continue to play out and grow. Sharon getting into trouble. Ah, uh, yeah. And getting her panties in a bunch.
Yeah, buddy. <laughs> what are you looking at? Uh, Paul Rudd makes everything better. Uh, here we go. <laughs> what time zone is this? He, Paul Rudd does this part so good when he's drooling over Cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly going to be something that's going to turn Ant-Man off or make him run. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Quick, I think we can make it out of here before anybody shows up. Or maybe not. No. <laughs> At least Black Widow is trying to have a more rational, more. I was going to say rational, but it's it's much more of an emotional appeal. To Captain. Under ruse. Avengers. Who would have thought back in the day that they mean so much to Tony? Of course, you would think they could find the Quinjet pretty quickly, you would think, <laughs> one way or the other, but... 
the hell was that? <laughs> Wilson and Barnes. It's good that you get the, you kind of get the respect between uh, Cap and Black Panther, even though they're obviously, uh, from Black Panther's point of view, that you know he's not going to stop no matter what. <laughs> Spider-Man being Spider-Man. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> now you could make the case that maybe going like the 15-year-old Sp or 16-year-old Spider-Man route might not have been the best move. Maybe, but he's he certainly plays the character like he's written, you know, like the age he's supposed to be. So they do a good job with that. War Machine does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. They never really explained how he went from Iron Patriot back to War Machine, though. Yeah, that's true. Good seeing Tony's arrogance get him in trouble sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be curious to see, uh, Obviously, we know he's still going to be in high school. It'll be curious to see if by the time you actually get to the Infinity War, if Spider-Man's at least supposed to be, like, maybe a little closer to getting out of high school as opposed to still being, like, 16. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just something. There's something about War Machine that just takes. It just not, isn't the same. I mean, it's just. It's like it's almost like he's the weak. He's like the weakest link. And that based on raw power, because obviously he's got the armor. But it's just I don't know. There's just something about War Machine. Every time you see him, it's like oh okay. It's all right, and here comes trouble. It's the vision, and he's pissed off. A 
obviously the vision is such a great unequalizer. <laughs> but that's why you need Wanda there. Because obviously Wanda is much more at this point anyway, Wanda is much more capable of being ruthless if need be. And plus because she, uh the vision's going to hold back naturally against her while she is capable of not holding back against him does give her a certain advantage. It's the big trailer scene. Which which Spider-Man added in. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! All grunting. It's always painful. And they do a good job of kind of squaring people off with, for the most part, with their people you would think they should be squared off against. Not everybody has a natural rival or... But, you know, Black Widow here with Clint, that makes obviously perfect sense. <laughs> Which is a funny line just by itself, but actually it still goes back to uh, the the Avengers. Ah, uh, Wanda's cool. Wanda, one of the few people in this fight, other than probably Black Panther, who does to absolutely has no qualms about not pulling punches at all. <laughs> She is powerful. Ah, oh, this is just, this is a cool scene. <laughs> Go for the legs. Tony doing that Bruce Wayne kind of homework, but just but it's typical of Tony not quite doing it well enough. <laughs> Or again, underestimating the ability to adapt. Here we go. Ant-Man on an arrow. Pym versus Stark. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Comic book page come to life. Well, cover. There's yep. most of... Yeah. Oof. Cap does kind of get a little rough on Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, he does assume a whole lot here because it could very easily kill Spider-Man. This is your conscience. Hey, we don't talk a lot these days. Uh oh. Ant Man does not get a lot of screen time in any incarnation in this movie, but they certainly make the most of it. Again, teamwork here. The idea that pretty much everybody knows that everybody, that as a whole, they're not all getting out of there. So might as well let some people be the distraction while the main players do what they need to do. So 
working as a team. Uh oh, here we go. Yeah, it's kind of too bad this was ruined. This would have been, again, another thing. Back in the day, this would have been a nice surprise that people didn't know was coming. I passed out, but other than that... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Keep your eyes closed, buddy. You never know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> Look at those eyes. <laughs> uh, obviously, as a as a general rule, this was <laughs> this could have gone better for Rhodey. <laughs> Even without how this scene's gonna end up, it still could have gone better before we get to that point. Nice save or vision there. Boosh. <laughs> Ooh, right in the face. Power right in the kisser. Spider-Man and his youth coming in. Though I still don't think he, he'd refer to uh, The Empire Strikes Back as an old movie, really. <laughs> I mean, it is, certainly from his age group, but I think I don't think people would really say that. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Black Panther's all business, man. Brody. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you do not want to mess with Wanda. They do a decent job, at least, of showing you more of the Vision's powers in this movie. They really didn't do much of that in Ultron. They gave you a little bit of his phasing, but not much. Yeah. And they they didn't... And actually, actually looking at this... I mean, they kind of referenced it when Wanda was able to turn his powers against him in the man, in the uh, headquarters and use his density control against him, so he just, just kept going, falling, falling, falling through the ground. But other than that, they really haven't played up the fact of how he can make make himself so dense that nothing can move him. Eh, something you kind of knew was coming all along, just yeah. based on their person, and, and it should have based on their personal relationship. You know, Black Widow, and she knows she knows at the very least Cap is a uh, Cap deserves to do what he needs to do. That she, even if they don't agree on everything, that his moral his moral judgment is pretty good. <laughs> Orange slices. 
Ooh. Here it comes. Boosh! Uh. <laughs> Boom. Rape and Tony thinks, oh my god, I just killed him. Not Ant-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> Such a strange line. Same side. <laughs> it's nice seeing Tony trying to be protective. Not one of his strongest suits historically, but in a way, we know in this movie he's, he's still trying to be protective of Steve even though he's going about it horribly. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Uh, here comes the vision. Being compromised mm. again. It's still interesting that he that you know he get he's his abilities are compromised at the moment because it's not like Wanda's in a critical situation you know you know it's we it's not like he had to save her or she's in distress completely in distress and he doesn't know if she's okay I mean he theoretically there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to focus on his task at the moment so that's kind of it's still a little bit odd. We'll have to see if this event forever alters Rhodey's role in the cinematic universe or only temporarily. I mean, with all the tech Tony builds, I would assume not. I mean, like he'll have ass- some, he'll have some sort of corset-like back brace that helps keep him upright, or maybe some sort of implant, and, and that would breed, you know, the possibility for that piece of tech to shut down, and you know, conveniently in a moment where you need to have. Rody weak to something and he can't walk at that particular moment and then it cuts back on and everything's fine but yeah and maybe he'll get healed by the end of the infinity <clears throat> the infinity storyline maybe something with the stones end up healing him back to normal you never know uh but yeah you would you would certainly think with the tech that there's there's no reason why he couldn't be couldn't be functional one way or the other yeah Uh, Zemo. They don't have caller ID at the receptionist desk, I guess. I guess not. Nice room. Minus the corpse. Yeah. (laughs) Don't go in the bathroom. I'd say that's pretty stiff. It is funny when you think about how long you know Zemo had kind of disappeared from this movie. <laughs> he was gone for a sizable chunk of time.
if I'm worth all this. Neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of an asshat. Why can't I quit you, man? But the moments when Steve and Bucky are together, it just works so well. I think it kind of helps. It helps you understand their bond and why Steve's so willing to do everything. Poor vision. A lot of soul searching to do for this guy. I wonder when we'll see him get over it. Like, I mean, it's got to be earned, obviously. You know, we, we can't just have him suddenly get over it, but at the same time, like, how long is too long for him to have an existential crisis? It'll probably be towards the end of the Infinity thing. That might be where, he, like I said, that might be where he bought ends up bottoming out especially if they're really counting on him to lift the hammer at some point and he can't that, that might be the that might be when he gets to the bottom and eventually works his way back out <laughs> nobody speaks to Tony like Natasha it's, it's, it's so refreshing <laughs> There goes Black Widow disappearing into the mist. Time to go to the vault. Release the Kraken. <laughs> That'd be a good def defender of the prison. In a completely unrelated note, I saw most of Gods of Egypt the other day, so I thought of you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, the special effects were pretty bad for the most part, but mm. but I liked seeing the the Anakin Skywalker version of Leonidas by Gerard Butler, yeah. so I thought that was cool, and the slave girl was so incredibly attractive. So yeah, so that that made it worth watching for the. But yeah, it had its moments. Moments. You've been played, Tony. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like how part I like how part of Zemo's plan is for the, for them to eventually realize they've been played. Though again, timing wise, it's also it's pretty convenient that everything yeah. will, as as we know, because he he may assume yes, every a work under the belief that eventually people are going to figure out what really happened, but again, yeah, there's no guarantee that Tony's going to be there at the same time as Cap and things like that. But, theoretically, again, you can make the case, it doesn't... For, for our little movie here, yes, it all has to happen that way, but even if Tony found this out on his own, or it became public knowledge on his own, eventually it would lead to a conflict between Tony and Cap because it would... because Iron Man would be looking for Bucky. So... 
it just happened to be real convenient timing for the for, for the running time of this movie. But I guess if you could make a case of that just having this information get out there w- would have made the conflict inevitable. Mm. All shot in the head. Bunch of super soldiers there for no reason. Soon enough. Do we even know for sure that would really kill them? <laughs> the raft prison. Doesn't make you wonder who else is in that prison. <laughs> Can't be very many people. You would probably think not at this point, but you would think there'd be some. I mean, who else is enough of a threat? Well, do they, I'm trying to remember if they ever referenced where the abomination was. Hmm. But I'm just thinking that you would have you would have to think there'd be some superpowered villains there, even though yes, in this universe we haven't seen that that many so far. Of course, Ross has to know it would be pretty hard to actually get Tony in one of those cells. Unless he caught him, like, in a moment like this. (laughs) That would be a good plan, actually. (laughs) Uh, Tony. Not the most popular guy in the room. It is pretty interesting how you know how Barton, uh, how clearly, <laughs> how much disdain and disgust Barton has for Tony, and <laughs> how he's so clearly become a cap guy. Tony's fishing for info since he now is kind of realizing, hey, you know, I may have, I may actually be, he'll be like Fonzie, I might actually be raw, 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 wrong. Oh, Tony. Makes you wonder how long the Infinity War is going to be, the first movie. If it's going to have a longer, you would you kind of would assume it's going to have a longer running time than this. <laughs> but you can't go, but you can't go too long, I don't think. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I guess we'll see. Somewhere around two and a half hours probably would be expected.
Tony's not one to usually admit mistakes. <laughs> no, but clearly it's not, because we clearly know that's what they meant, or what they mean, because we know Tony's made many a mistake. <laughs> Admitting it is another story. How this movie goes on a while. I was just thinking that. Only because <laughs> this is kind of a, a slight lull, lull in the action. That's why. Because I almost... Because yeah. I'm not going to lie. Right right before I talked about... This is the reason why I, I asked or raised a question about how long we think the Infinity War Part, part 1 will be. Just because I hit... I was curious to see how much time is actually left in this movie. So I hit the display. <clears throat> so, yeah. Do you think Tony makes these helicopters and shit, too? Like he's got to make the thing that puts him in the suit in addition to making the suit, right? Probably, or at least he's got to modify it. Yeah. He's got such a good working background on almost anything that you can. You have to assume he could he could pretty much build it, or he he or he may be able to build it, but again, get a basic helicopter built to certain specs, and then he just takes it over and finishes it off. Right. Because he's always got a gadget. Here come the old geezers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just doubtful that we're going to get a, a Winter Soldier cap. I mean, I, I can see it, but it's just like, in the comics, it was a little easier to swallow. Not not just as a as an audience member, but like, for the people in the comic universe. Whereas here, we have been given no reason. And by we, I mean like, we as an audience, and we as, you know, sort of members of the MCU in terms of you know, kind of putting ourselves in anyone else's shoes. None of the other characters have been given any reason whatsoever to trust Bucky in any way, shape, or form, except for maybe Sam, and that's just because Sam trusts Cap. Cap. Like, there is there's zero goodwill on the part of anybody else in the MCU to... Tr- like, could, could you see Tony working no, no, alongside... No, no. That's, that's, uh, that's going to be an issue, but... But we... But taking Tony aside, who's going to have the personal reasons that you know people are going to know a lot more than how he was brainwashed and how he was controlled. So I think that makes it even you know T'Challa realizes that by the time at the end of the movie. So there's a chance that some characters will come around. Plus we also don't know what Bucky's going to do going forward. So this is a nice exchange between the two of them. And then there's Bucky in the background with <laughs> Manchurian Candidate. Come on, you're killing me here. And 
And this is, again, this is pretty clever the way this is done, because, again, at this point, you're expecting the three of them to square off against the five super soldiers. But, again, thanks to trailers and everything else, you know that, the, that Cap and, and Bucky and Iron Man still have to fight. Because we know there's scenes you saw in the trailer that you hadn't seen in the movie yet based on location. <clears throat> we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> They're dead. That's all we cared about. We're going home. <laughs> Do you think he's a follower of Hydra? Like he says, he says all this stuff about finding a flaw. So, and he knows uh, a lot about it, but like I don't get the feeling that he's, you know, line step in with the Hitler ideology or you know, like you know what I mean? No, I I think. I mean, again, they may reveal more of his background, or he could be conver converted, maybe. But I don't, I don't think we're necessarily supposed to. I mean, it's possible. Again, he's used. Well, he's he obviously knows about Hydra, and he's used aspects of Hydra's uh, tech and or their knowledge and their. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Their, that's just their foundation. Their to get what he wanted, but I don't necessarily think we're supposed to believe he's that this was any more than, you know, this was his per, this was his van, vendetta and figuring he could use this uh, building blocks of Hydra and other, th and other uh, pieces along the lines, along those lines, I should say, to get his revenge on uh, for Sokovia. Yeah. And now we got this, now we get the definitive answer to what was being implied throughout this movie and of course first hinted at it in Winter Soldier and you got and you do feel horrible for Tony in this scene going to be a tough one to reconcile between the two of them between between Winter Soldier and uh, Iron Man <laughs> but unless 
unless they do something maybe in in in, in infinity in which Tony's brainwashed into something that's re- pretty despicable, so Tony can understand what it's you know the powerlessness. Kind of kind of like what the here's our Green Lantern reference for the evening. Kind of like in the original draft of of re, of Green Lantern Rebirth when Parallax was supposed to go into Batman and not Ganthet. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Batman was supposed to shoot Robin or something. That kind of idea that do something completely so out of character for who you are and realize that you can't stop it so then you can understand what the other person was going through so it kind of makes you more understanding and let and be able to let go of the that the original judgment you had about their actions. That could be something they, that might happen. Shit just got real! Yep. Uh, and he says he said he says it later, but the what Tony says, like he doesn't say anything about his dad. He's like, "Son of a bitch, killed my mom." Yep. <clears throat> Which makes perfect sense that that would be a reference point for him too, because of the fact that he loved his father, but you know, he his relationship with his father was pretty contentious, so his relationship with his mom was much more natural and and. And easy flowing, so well again, psychologically, you can make the case that that does not necessarily mean that his father's death wouldn't impact him more because sometimes that's the way it is. If that's if, you, if you're being motivated by your relationship with your father, even if it's negative, then that could that's kind of driving your your life more. But it it still works in this context that his mom was kind of like the peacemaker and everything else, and she was innocent. So no matter what you would say about Howard and Tony, they're not innocent in a lot of the things that they've done. At least they've done things why that would, though you may not think that they really should be hurt by the other side, you can understand from the other side's perspective why they would want to be taken out. But obviously, his mom just happened to be in the car that day, or else she would have wouldn't have really been would have been an afterthought. It's cool <laughs> watching Tony and you know Cap both kind of like try to zero in on their on the perceived and observed weaknesses that the other has. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I like the fact that, you know, Cap does Cap clearly doesn't want to be involved in any of this, but he has to because he knows that if he doesn't and Tony get has his way, he's going to kill Bucky. Not out that way. <laughs> Not a growling in this movie. Mm. A growl is never just a growl. No. Just like, just like the grunts we usually talk about, but there's a lot more growling in this movie, I think, than grunts. Oh, lots of banging in this movie. Oh, that's got to hurt. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't see any banging. <laughs> I realized when I said that I should have said a follow-up, but I was hoping it was going to slip through But the, the ill-fated choice of language, but I should have known better. Well, we don't know what happened in that hotel with Sharon. <laughs> Maybe Cap finally lost his virginity. Or maybe well, what happened between Tony and Aunt May before Peter got home. <laughs> oh, little post-coitus snack with the walnut bread or whatever <laughs> That's it was. Right. That's why he was willing to eat it. He was so hungry he didn't care. 
Yeah, here's the old com the trailer fight. It is interesting, for what it's worth, that even though Bucky does get it... He, he, I mean, he, this is about the most damage Bucky really does to, to Iron Man, but for the most part, Iron Man seems to do much better against Bucky than he did it, up to this point, anyway, against Cap, but... Obviously, the arm is not vibranium. Yet. Ah, uh, yes, the famous Civil War shot. Still listening to that phone call. You gotta be real careful when you keep going back and listening to those voicemails. You don't hit the wrong button when you're done. <laughs> or else For it. Yep, or else it's deleted. May not care now, but he would have earlier. Now you get the Zemo backstory, and it's about his. about them all dying, and. Bad advice. Hmm. Well, he's certainly a well-motivated villain, if nothing else. Yeah. It's just, I wonder how much we need to tie shit into Sokovia, specifically. That is true. It could have been something else. I mean, you already have <clears throat> you already have the whole accords, basically. The, you know, the final. Well, it's not the fu the final nail was in the coffin. May not have been Sokovia. It might have been you know with Wanda's little accident, but and Lagos or whatever. But but it was the motivating factor, Sokovia, more than any. That's T'Challa. Keeping it real. <clears throat> then get your ass in there and stop the fight. Still think Steve would hurt his hands more. Hmm. Could have done this earlier, Tony. <laughs> Analyzing his fight patterns. You have so much freaking tech in your little heads-up display thing. You can't have used any of it for real. He was distracted. Hmm. It was all Bucky. Cap is tough, though. I could do this all day. 
keep taking one for the team. That was pretty clever. Because Cap probably was never even really thought about going for the head, but Instinct took over for Tony, and I just left the arc reactor <laughs> more vulnerable. Just kind of stick it in him. <clears throat> And then the mind games about uh, the shield. Whine about it, Tony. Cry me river. I know on one level you would, you would think that Cap could say could obviously counter whatever Tony's saying about the shield, but I think I think I think Steve just simply decides, well, you know, whatever. You know, it's like yeah, fine. <clears throat> so I will be curious to see where that where that shield actually ends up. And if it's fixed, eh, I doubt it'll be fixed. Think it'll still have claw marks on it? Yeah, probably. Unless somehow it would end up, unless Steve ends up getting it back at some point, or or or. or T'Challa ends up getting it back and, and he just fixes it. But uh, if Tony holds on to it or it ends up with Shield or with, and you know, with the government or something, I think it's going to stay the way it is. Um, but who knows? They could end up by the time we see them all, maybe in their in their infinite wisdom, they're going to they're, they're try. They may try to create their own cap. I don't necessarily mean with the serum. Just try to get have someone else use the shield. But I would I I would prefer to see the shield literally on ice until Cap returns, and then, you know. Tony gives it back to him. Even if he has another shield in between, have have that fake shield or that replacement shield maybe be destroyed, but have him get his original shield back. <clears throat> Here's the mopey trip to the headquarters. Stupid orange car. <laughs> the car that the car that drives itself. Poor vision. Got no one to play with. <laughs> Tony Stank. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he counts any of his uh, missions as uh, war machine as flying a mission because he's still technically active service. He could have been. I probably would have guessed he was just talking about regular flying. But. Tough break, Rody. But they didn't kill you off. They could have. 
Some they, they got to kill somebody off in the Infinity War. <laughs> this is Tony Stank. Technology. Prepaid cells. Probably true that the Avengers are more Tony's family than Steve's because Steve doesn't need only because Steve doesn't need it. Right. It's not that it's not like it's important to both of them, it's just that Tony obviously deep down needs it a whole lot more than Steve does. Good old Steve breaking people out. Breaking the law. Breaking, breaking the, the law. law. And I like, and I think this is this apology is relevant. It obviously is not going to heal anything overnight, but I think it go, it's the first salvo and getting that accomplished and and if nothing else Steve admitting his sins you know so I I know I am I don't know if I mentioned it to you I may have uh, when we're talking about something related to Marvel but I know some some have speculated that maybe the reason why Cap really couldn't lift the hammer in Ultron was because he still had that he had that Bucky thing related to Tony's parents or Tony's Tony's father at least the belief that Bucky could have done this, and he was kind of keeping it to himself, that maybe that was something that made Cap unworthy. Uh, but, so, needless to say, that's not an issue anymore as far as it's keeping the secret or kind of like making amends. Dramatic music playing! So, the, uh... There's only one post credit scene, I was right? funny, I was literally going to just say that, because all I can remember is the Thanos bit. I don't. I'm trying to remember if there's if there's anything else because I'm trying to remember what would have. No, because no, it no. There couldn't. There couldn't have been anything else because this. It's hard to. It seems like it's been ages since this movie came out, but this only came out what in what it in May, April, a a either way. Uh, so the only other Marvel movie that's come out since was but Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this, I think this mid-credit scene is kind of lame. Um, but I don't know. This I mean, some sometimes the credit scenes we've seen before, you know, when, you know the, the Thanos intro and anything related to Thanos and the Infinity Stones and. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they're cool. Sometimes they're, eh, I mean, I mean the doc. Like you know, we talked about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, I think the the actual scene with Thor was great. The the Mordo part, it's okay. I mean, it sets Mordo up as being a bad guy, which historically he kind of was. Oh, yes, right. The 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 no, there's the uh, there's the spider the Spider-Man scene, right? Is that the only? Is that the oh one? yeah. Spider- yeah. yeah, the Sp- the Spider-Man scene. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know why. I knew I said the Thanos scene. I didn't mean the Thanos scene. There's the yeah, the, the, there's the Wakanda scene, and then there's the Spider-Man scene. Yeah. So this is the Wakanda scene. 
uh, which is cool. You get it, you realize how it, how technologically advanced Wakanda is. You see that clearly T'Challa has made made nice not just with you know Cap, which would be expected, but kind of made peace with Bucky too, realizing that since Bucky really wasn't involved with killing his father, it kind of makes it easier. Bucky going to be on ice till they can de- deprogram him. And I'm sure by the time that happens, he'll get a nice little uh, vibranium arm. <clears throat> yeah, this this scene is this scene is actually pretty cool. Spider-Man scene's okay. Uh, other than that line about the guy from uh, guy named Steve from Brooklyn. <laughs> Everybody with their bruises. And that's, I mean, that shows you a lot about T'Challa, too, about the idea that basically, you know, in a way, he's gonna, he's gonna feel satisfied if he can help somebody find, you know, he obviously can't help his father find peace at this point. So if he can help Bucky or another, another victim find peace, then that's gonna be, that's gonna be like enough for him. So I think that's kind of says a lot about who he is deep down, uh, and because he kind of learned that lesson about vengeance. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to, to the Spider-Man movie, but I'm still kind of a little cautious about it. Uh, we'll see. Uh, supposedly that chick isn't playing Mary, Mary Jane. Mary Jane, yeah, but then it. But we'll see. <clears throat> we know that sometimes there's blatant misdirection, but but it, in a way, it'd be smart not to. To it's kind of they already have recast enough of the major players in Peter's life that are not really going to look anything like the major players in Peter's life, so maybe they'd be smart to just to not even touch the whole Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy thing for any time. Well, I, if they do it, I'd like them to keep it close to the comics, you know, Gwen Stacy first and for a while, and then Mary Jane, like yeah. just don't give me Mary Jane from high school, like that, that's no, not how it that, works. That, yeah, I and it, it was an odd choice when Raimi did that. We know that you know that Mary Jane is not; she was the amalgam of Gwen and Mary Jane from a yeah. character point of view. But yeah, it was still an odd. It, it 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 was not odd from the point of view that Mary Jane obviously was the better known girlfriend from the modern audience because she and Peter Parker had been together on and off, whether they were married or not married, had been you know together pretty much from this you know from the late like the late seventies on. Yeah. Gwen Stacy was. I mean, Gwen Stacy. I think it was like seventy. I think it was like seventy-three that Gwen Stacy was killed. So it would make sense from that point of view. She's the better known of the girl of the girlfriends. But yeah, theoretically, what they were what they were trying to do in the in the web versions of the Garfield versions was smarter to go with to introduce Gwen Stacy first, and then eventually get to get to Mary Jane. Um, so again. So. It was dumb what they did with Gwen Stacy killing her off, at least by that version of the Green Goblin. But, not, but at least they were making an effort to do Gwen Stacy first, and I, and I did appreciate that. But I hope you're right. I hope they eventually do go with Gwen. I mean, they could have Mary Jane in it, but be a smaller character. Just have Gwen Stacy be the more major factor in Peter's life. But 
But yeah. we but we will see. I mean, unfortunately, because of the two versions of Spider-Man that we've seen so far, a lot of the the you know the, the we won't be seeing the Green Goblin anytime soon. You know, which is kind of unfortunate no. because they haven't done a really good version of him yet. So and he is, despite the whole you know slot retconning of in the comic books that you know Norman Osborn is Spider-Man's you know arch enemy. It's not Doc Ock. It's friggin' Green Goblin. So that's so. It, maybe well, they've done quite a bit the past few years uh, to make Doc Ock. Oh yes, that's what I mean. They, they've gone out of their way to try to 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 establish or try to try to reestablish Doc Ock as a real villain and to make him more like the arch enemy. But I think most people don't really buy that. I think yeah. Not, and traditionally, that's not the case. Traditionally, it's absolutely Norman Osborn and should and should be. So. Civil War, it's a fun. There's a lot of things to 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 delve into in this uh, in this movie. So it it was, and you got to give Marvel credit. I mean, they're they not every movie is always better than the one before, but they certainly are doing. But they really are doing a good job at knocking the ball out of the park more times than they're not. Doctor Strange was really really good. <laughs> it was really a fun movie. Uh, different, but fun, and yeah, it was it was cool. Alright, well, thanks for listening in, folks. Really appreciate it. Mark, do you want to tell people how they can uh, find us? I was com- I was completely not even prepared for that. I'm so used well, to. Well, I figured I figured you will do the closing while we're waiting for the credits no, to wrap I know. up, and then I, we'll I, do the Spider-Man it, thing and go. I'm only kidding. It's, I'm I'm absolutely fine. I'm just saying I'm just I'm just enjoying the free flow of ideas, and it's like oh back. It's like yes, if you'd like to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can find our episodes, Ringcyclopedia episodes, Dark Star reviews, blogs, movie reviews, everything there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast on any of those to find us. iTunes and Stitcher, we are on both. So, and please leave us a positive review if you listen to us on either platform. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-Lantern. 708-Lantern. And let you know, let us know what you think. Because we just let you know what we think. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, next episode, whether it's pre-birth or a uh, regular episode, we will get into some Green Lantern comics. So uh, I know, well, shocking, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have that ready for you, um, and a few other things we've got in the works. But uh, mum's the word on that for now, I guess. God, they got a so. lot of credits in this movie. Yeah, you do. That's something you do kind of realize more and more when you're sitting in the theater when you know there's a second scene and you're waiting for it. It's like, oh, my God, can we just get to the second scene already? <laughs> That's what raises the bar when it actually, if, if it stinks, if it's not a good one or if it's a dull one. Like the Iron Man 3 one, which I kind of liked with, with it being Banner listening to him, that he was telling the whole story to Banner the whole time. But I, but it was a lot of a lot of waiting for something that really wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> Oh, we're almost there. We're almost there. <clears throat> Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming should be should be interesting. I. But what? Which which Marvel movies next? Yeah. Oh, Guardians, right? Okay. Yeah, Guardians yeah, too. Guardians. All right, here we go.
Some guy. Steve from Brooklyn. <laughs> Everybody's got their bruises. <laughs> they haven't seen so many black eyes in one movie. Maybe Fight Club, but we don't Maybe. talk about Fight Club. <laughs> That's true. And I will see you later tonight, Aunt May. And why is he calling her May? <laughs> That's inappropriate. Got some Stark Tech working on him. Which is interesting. <laughs> the end. Spider-Man will return. Well, there no we shit. go. <laughs> <All right>. Spoiler alert. <laughs> that is going to do it, guys, for this Mammoth episode. So hope you <laughs> and, enjoy and, it. As Mr. Bokeman falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's a little, we're lucky it didn't happen dirt towards the end of there. <laughs> well, it, it's, about... it's more lucky you just didn't start snoring. <laughs> that that, that would have that been bad. Um, alright guys well thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you later good night everybody good night